Hey guys, we have a great guest coming up today. We are chatting with the founder of the Girls Lounge and CEO of the Female Quotient, Shelly Zalis. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Stitch Fix. So Stitch Fix, if you don't know what it is, it's super simple. You fill out your style profile online and Stitch Fix will send you clothes, shoes, accessories picked just for you. Uh, your size, your style, your budget, and of course, things that you will like. So I'm really excited. Summer's here. Need new outfits, obviously. A lot of spaghetti straps. Um, they have some really cute pieces, basics, uh, prints, jewelry. Um, and so I recently got a box and it had this really beautiful slip dress. That is something that I'm just going to take away for summer. Use every, mm, wear every day. Nothing like a slip dress. I know. Slip it on. And Stitch Fix is a super successful business that has made a lot of people very happy and a lot of people also very wealthy because they IPO'd in the largest like female-led IPO this year, I think. Um, so Katrina Lake is a really, really impressive entrepreneur. She actually just joined the board of Glossier, which is pretty cool. So with Stitch Fix, you only pay for the items you actually keep. And it's easy to send everything back because they cover shipping both ways for returns and exchanges, and there's no subscription required. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or just whenever you feel like it. So get your first fix now at stitchfix.com slash girlboss and get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash girlboss to get started with Stitch Fix today. S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot com slash girlboss. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Shelly Zalis is a founder, CEO, and internationally renowned thought leader for advancing equality in the workplace. Shelly changed the game by becoming the first female chief executive of a company ranked in the research industry's top 25 and has helped elevate feminine strengths in the workplace. And what I'm the most proud of is I was known as the chief troublemaker. I would break the rules, go against the grain, which was not the norm, and I would create the new norm. Today, as the CEO of the Female Quotient, Shelley is advancing gender equality across industries with the Girls' Lounge, a pop-up experience at conferences across the globe, as well as within companies. We have over 17,000 women in our community that are all badass girl bosses in Fortune 500 companies that are now working together, collaborating, sharing, supporting, amplifying. She's also leading initiatives within corporations by creating solutions for change with the Female Quotient's equality boot camps. As the co-founder of Hashtag See Her, a movement led by the Association of National Advertisers, she's helped to increase the percentage of accurate portrayals of women and girls in advertising and media. In addition to being an entrepreneur and thought leader, Shelley is also an admired speaker and skilled moderator who has interviewed influencers such as Katie Couric, Gwyneth Paltrow, Sheryl Sandberg, and Ariana Huffington on topics related to equality and leadership. 
women in general, we have that voice in our head that tells us we aren't good enough. We can't do this. We can't do that. If you know, if we if we can't do ten out of ten things, we're not qualified. And my girlfriend Wendy Clark says, "You just got to shut that bitch up in your head. You know, shut that bitch up in your head and own it. You know, own your voice, own your strength, and be a girl boss." Today, Shelly is here to share how the world of business and tech is changing for women, how you can break through the glass ceiling of middle management, and how you can help with the fight for equality in the workplace. We'll get to our chat with Shelly in just a moment, but first, Maggie and I are going to chat all about what's going on here at the Girl Boss headquarters. I am so happy to be back in town for an indefinite period. I'm just going to say that until I leave town again. Yeah, seriously. Because it's always like a novel thing. And I know it's like, boo-hoo, I have to travel. Like, boo-hoo, I'm busy. That mm-hmm. whole like, you know, that's not... I'm just, I love being here, I guess I is what I'm saying. And I think that's um, a good thing. And I like, good team. I like working instead of like I gallivanting like around looking <laughs> like I'm working on Instagram. Or... <laughs> so we're going to talk to Shelly about a lot of things affecting women as entrepreneurs, as executives, about women who are building workplaces as well, which yeah. Shelly's doing, which we're doing here. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And to do it, sometimes you need money up front to put together what it is that you're going to go sell and buy a little bit of inventory. And it's it's very hard to start from zero the way I did with an eBay store. Like that's like a very, it's kind of a rare thing. So there's a lot of options out there for you. And so I know we've been writing about what some of those options Mm -hmm. are. What do you know about small business loans? So actually, I've never gotten a small business loan, but I did learn a lot from this piece on our site. Um, I don't have a business, but one day, you know, I think everybody kind of feels like there's that little passion inside them that wants something that's theirs. They can, they're the main stakeholder. So there are a few ways, unfortunately, money runs the world and you need it for kind of everything. These are a few ways that you can get money without actually having to have a full-fledged business. You know, if you're wanting to turn your side hustle into a profitable business, there are small business loans, which is really, really common. It's it's basically, and this is important to note, all of these loans, keynote loans, you have to pay back. So you generally pay them back with interest. Um, but this is ideally something that you'll want to invest in because down the line, five years, you'll have something that's way more profitable and you'll be able to pay these back. But you're basically working with the bank. And I will note there are a lot of online banks now, So, which is an alternative to this. Banks are very, very old school, and thus you need to have a good credit score or else you really can't go this route. Um, but now with banking online, it's a little bit more lax. I will say the... Um, the, the rates to pay back are going to be much higher, but you can have poor credit and still they'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, I met someone. I forget the name of the company. There's so many. FinTech is the word. Oh. Like companies that are just exploding right now. And his does a different kind of credit check where they like, I don't know if they Google you, mm-hmm. but it's like much <laughs> more sophisticated than that where they, you know, evaluate you on a variety of oh, factors wow. outside of just the standard kind of credit report to qualify awesome. you for for credit. So oh, cool. it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of different different things out there. The other loan is an SBA loan and the most common is a 7A loan. It sounds very confusing, but essentially it's the gov- it's a government agency that's thus footing the bill for you. So the government is now working with the bank and you're not in between there. I mean, you'll still obviously have to pay back, but they're doing the bulk of the loaning. This this one is great, though, because um, you can 
get quite a bit of money. So if you need to buy a property or something, this is a good way to go. Cool. Because they'll give you a good chunk rather than... I'm going to buy our office building. I know, right? Just kidding. Loans on loans. The other is a business line of credit, which is essentially just a credit card for your business. Um, Again, you do have to pay all of this back, but it's kind (laughs) of like using a credit card that you like put it on... Put it on the credit and then you pay it back. Yeah, they're way, like, but... you have, instead of them just giving you a $500,000 loan, mm-hmm. they're like, you can spend up to $500,000, but exactly. we're going to give you the money as you need it. Yep. Right? The, yeah, there are limitations for sure. The last option is a microloan, which is- Ooh, a microloan. A microloan. And it's exactly what it what I'm going to microloan you a microdose. <gasps> Ooh. I was just listening to your episode with Jericho oh on microdosing. Isn't it funny? It's pretty funny. <laughs> Because I was like, I don't condone it or anything. I realized it was illegal. Oops. I know. Microloans are perfect if you're looking for uh, sums less than fifty thousand. They're not going to give you the five million, but they'll give you a good chunk if you're trying. I don't know. You know, if you're trying to purchase equipment or inventory, That's as you mentioned. That's a really big. You know, it's, we the Girl Boss Foundation has given grants of like fifteen grand, and it's totally exactly. love like leveled up people's businesses. Exactly. It's like it's that a, small thing is the difference between having to have someone else manufacture your stuff and it taking six weeks to fulfill mm-hmm. your customer orders or like having a machine right. at your office for your whatever you do. Right. Yeah, these are great and they're definitely more low risk in terms of payments. Um, so this is great if you're a side hustle and you really just are trying to make a name for yourself you have to like pay someone a a marketing fee or a design budget to build out your your symbol you know it's like very small things that will end up taking your business a lot further so so you should always have a really you should always have a pretty solid plan put together with what you're going to do with that money and how it's going to make money for you for you to be able to pay that money back it's definitely a very dangerous thing to just take money without a plan (laughs) i mean even when nasty gal was exploding (laughs) um I would just run as fast as I could. I didn't have a plan, and people gave me money. They were mm-hmm. investors. It wasn't a loan. But it still wasn't the best thing, mm-hmm. you know, for, at any scale, any size, no matter, like, how many people are giving you 5000 or $50 million, uh, having a plan with what you're going to do with money that anybody gives you and how to deploy it and how to make it last as long as possible is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Being conservative with your money, spending it like it was your own. You should spend it like it's your own. <laughs> So to read more, you can visit girlboss.com and type in need cash. You can type in need cash, but you can also type in need cash. These are the four best funding options for small businesses in the search bar. Now get ready to hear from the founder of Girls Lounge and CEO of the Female Quotient, Shelly Zalas. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Los Angeles. Actually, I was born in San Francisco, grew up in Los Angeles, lived in Frankfurt, Germany for three years because my father was a doctor in the army and uh, then came back to L.A. and moved to New York to go to school. I went to Barnard, but I went to Barnard when it was Barnard College for Women, Columbia College for Men of Columbia University. What did you grow up wanting to be? Like, what did you want to? You know, what did you this study? is the craziest thing. I actually wanted to be just like my mom. I thought I would be a full-time mom and PTA president, running an organization to do good in the world, and raising my children. Are you all of those things? 
I am all those things and then some. Um, are you the PTA president? Uh, no, I was very, well, now my kids are big. Okay. I have a 21-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 26-year-old. So those days are over. But I was very involved in community. I was very involved in my kids' school. But I, I, I didn't like PTA. You know, I would always tell them, give me my assignment and let me go off and do it versus the mm-hmm. committee. Because mm-hmm. I just didn't have that time to you know, go back and forth. And it's like there's enough politics in business, you know. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and I did bring the cupcakes when my kids needed them. I just didn't bake them. Yeah. But I did display them nice on the plate. That's fine. That's yeah. why there's bakeries. <laughs> what was your first job? When did you start, like, working? Just kind of, like, random odd jobs or not, like, career jobs. But what were the first things you did to earn money? Well, when I was at um, Columbia, I used to scoop tuna fish at the um, little cafe, and, you know, the crazy thing is I didn't need to. My parents did not expect me to work while I was in school. They wanted me to stay very focused on on my education. But I always felt guilty. I had time on my hands, and so I would go. And, of course, um, I probably was not a very good employee because when my friends would come in, they'd get, like, you know, extra big helpings, and I'm sure I forgot to charge them every once in a while. Yeah. But then I thought, well, I'm going to go to the job board at Columbia because my senior year I was a tennis player and I had plenty of free time and I thought I should go start figuring out what I want to do. I was a psychology major, mainly because you didn't have to write a thesis. It was <laughs> I always knew how to get by and get great grades because I loved life and adventure and meeting people and I found that to be more fascinating than the books themselves. Um, and I saw this advertisement for a job that sounded like an ad agency. And I'm like, wow, that is so perfect for me. And I remember getting all dressed up in a suit with stockings. We used to wear stockings at the time. And I went to the subway and my handbag fell into the tracks. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. What am I going to do? And so, of course, the train passes and my bag is down there. So I get the newsstand guys like big, long stick and I lay on the ground (laughs) scooping up my purse, of course. I'm completely disheveled by the time I go to this interview. And I walk into this interview, and there's four women sitting around eating frozen yogurt, reading People magazine, and gossiping. And I'm like, I got this. I like this job. (laughs) Give me the money. money. And the boss, he wore corduroy pants, red socks, wallabies, and just a button-down shirt. And he was rolling in the dough. He was making a fortune, a five-person company. Um, and as it turns out, it was a research company testing ads. And it was Mall Intercept where we would stop people in the mall, ask them their opinion about a 30-second spot, and give the analysis to clients. And this was in a day where there was no computer. We worked on a typewriter. And we would tab the results by hand, you know, and make it the bundle. One, one, you know, check, check, check this, mm-hmm. you know. And But what I loved about that was he had a brilliant idea jar in the office. And every night we'd all put our brilliant ideas in and then we would sit around in a circle, open up the jar with a glass of wine, of course, and read them and say, oh, what a good idea. Let's do it. And things happened. And I stayed with him for about eight years, which was quite remarkable. So that was really my first job, learning about business even though it was a small business and I loved it and how important each of us on the team was. We had a hierarchy and, you know, titles, but I loved 
learning from each other and sharing and handling clients together and all of our opinions mattered and Dave was so inclusive and I don't even think we knew what that meant at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was really a wonderful foundation for me um, that I really jumped from to where I obviously went from there. Yeah. And so was it after that that you started your own company? No. What happened at next? So... I remember getting recruited to go to a company called ASI, and the job was, it's a quantitative research company, and we need someone um, great at business development. And so I went to my boss, David Ayer, and I said, Dave, I think it's time for you to let me fly. I've been here a really long time. I, I love it here, but I... I think it's time for me to go to a bigger company and get that experience. And I said to him, and by the way, what is quantitative research? (laughs) I didn't even know what that was. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, it's everything we do but more people. I said, okay, got, got it. Wish me luck. And I went to the interview, and the person that interviewed me was the CEO of ASI, which was the largest um, copy testing company at that, at that period in, in the U.S., in the United States. And my boss, the guy that interviewed me, his name was Jerry Lukeman, this tall, handsome man with this sweeping cashmere Armani cape. And wow. I'm like, wow, you don't look like a researcher to me. And on his wall, and I will never forget this, he had pictures of his family, a whole wall of his children and his, you know, grandchildren, everyone. And he talked about his kids. And I'm like, I love you and hello, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Um, let me show you two ads. And he showed me two ads. I think it was for Domino's Pizza. And he said, which one did better? And I said, oh, this one did better because, you know, of this, this, and this. I was trained quite well to look at ads. And he said, you're hired. And he hired me right on the spot. And he said, what do you need in your office? I said, I need a typewriter and a TV so I can watch ads. He said, well, I'll give you the TV, but you have to learn how to use a computer. I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. And it was the most incredible experience because I learned how to depend on myself and learn skills that I didn't know. And I was definitely in a much more competitive environment than I was back at Video Storyboards, my tiny little company. And I knew I wasn't like everyone else. You know, when I was working on TV ads, I would walk around with the products in my hand and study them. And and I knew what my clients ate for lunch, for dinner, how many kids they had, when their birthdays were. And it was when I became quite good at developing relationships mm-hmm. and not being an order taker. You know, and that's why I always talk about I don't believe in networking. Networking is shake someone's hand, give them a business card and wait for the phone to ring. And my first review, I was actually I walked in thinking I'm the golden girl here. You know, everyone is going to give me the this glowing review. I came early. I said yes to everyone. I offered to help everyone. And I walked in and my boss, not Jerry that interviewed me, but my direct boss, actually ripped me to shreds. And I still have it. It was a typewritten five-page review. One page was nice things, generic nice, and four pages were criticisms of, I spend too much time with clients. I, you know, I, 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 I push the team beyond their comfort zone, you know, all this. And I remember looking at him 
And I had two options. Say, oh, you're right. Or the other direction and tell him he was wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm 26 years old, 27 years old, uh, young, under 30. And I um, looked at him and I said, God, you are so wrong. I said, one day you're going to come back and tell me that there's nothing more valuable than relationships. And I said, you might not see this today, but one day you're going to come and tell me that. And he ended up putting this woman above me. um, And he said to me, well, we are a research company and she's a researcher. What don't you get about that? I ended up going to build quite a large research company based on relationships, um, selling it for you know over $80 million. And the other woman that was above me had a very short-lived career. Um, and my old boss is still great friends with me today. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry, the original, mm-hmm. with the sweeping cape. Yeah. And you know the other person is still a very good friend of mine and has basically told me that there is nothing more important than relationships. Shelly left her job in the corporate world in the year 2000 to form her own company, OTX. She revealed how she made that decision and how to know when you've outgrown your job. So I realized that I really had a very different perspective than traditional researchers and that the rules that were in the workplace now that I had children would not work for me. And I decided I had this crazy idea to migrate research from offline to online, but in a day and age where only wealthy old men with broadband were online, so Mm -hmm. hardly a representative population. And I remember talking to my bosses that were all men, and I said to them, what if we move research from offline to online? And they all told me that it wasn't the right time. And I remember going home thinking, well, when is the right time? Someone else is going to come up with this idea, and I'm going to be the idiot left behind. Um, And I was sitting on a panel with the head of research for Procter & Gamble. And I remember whispering to him, Larry, when is the right time to migrate research? And he said, next week, come in, come talk to us. And my company never could get into Procter & Gamble. And so I went back and I told my bosses, oh, we're going to Procter next week. And they said, great, Paul will go, Jerry will go, Ringo will go, and David will go. And I'm like, well, what about Shelly? Paul, Jerry, David, and Ringo. <laughs> said, yeah. What about Shelly? I said, what about Shelly? And they said, well, it's really a boy's world. And, you know, I don't, we don't think that's the strongest team. I said, great, then I'll cancel the meeting. You're on your own. I said, I got the meeting. I'm going. And, of course, I did. And we ended up bringing in, you know, a $30 million piece of business. But it was that moment that I realized that, you know, a lot of people talk about a cognitive, an aha moment. An aha moment is a cognitive moment. It's something your brain, you know, rationalizes. But uh, a feeling, a heartbeat moment, you know, that's why we call it follow your heart, female intuition. That's what girls got. We got that intuition. You got to follow it. And Mm -hmm. I had that moment where I said, why am I following everyone else's rules? Why am I not right? And it's time for me to go. And it was that moment I started OTX. It was called Online Testing Exchange. I love X. I think it's a sexy letter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rest is pretty much history. I had to break every rule to create new ones. I am um, a well-known CEO. I was the only female CEO in the top 25 my whole career. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, and what I'm the most proud of, is I was known as the chief troublemaker. 
Mm-hmm. I would break the rules, go against the grain, which was not the norm, and I would create the new norm. And I created the uncorporate rules for my company. I had 250 employees operating in over six cities. And I created, I undid all the rules that I hated about corporate America. And what are some of those rules? I do not believe in titles. So I would invite people by name to meetings and then tell other people, if you want to come to any meeting that you're not invited to, you're welcome to. But if you come to too many meetings you're not invited to, you don't have enough on your plate. Mm-hmm. I would share the good, bad, and the ugly with all of my employees. There was there were no secrets. Um, I believe in taking as much time off as you need. I don't track time. But yeah, be res- responsible Here, and yeah. be respectful. Yeah. Um, leave don't miss your parents' anniversary, your kids' soccer game, you know, or anything that is important, but make sure you're covered and cover people back. Mm-hmm. Don't be the one always leaving people, leaving in the people behind. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's just about moms. I think people deserve to go on dates to take care of their pets, to take care of their parents. Whatever is important in your life, you have one life with many dimensions. Um, chocolate everywhere. We, we hmm. always had chocolate. We had a share bagel bagel Friday, where everyone, if you have a bagel, we always had food. Mm-hmm. Meet someone new. I can, we can afford bagel Friday here at Girl Boss. It's great because you. <laughs> I don't know. It's L.A. It and bread, people, so yeah, you, might, you might want fruit, but <laughs> maybe kombucha Friday. I don't know. But it was it was yummy. But anyways, it just encouraged people to get to know other people, mm. and you know, and I would always cross pollinate teams. Like I'd come into the office one day, I'm like, everybody get up, we're moving seats. Mm -hmm. And I would reorganize Mm -hmm. so that everyone could learn from different people and be, you know, I I have so many crazy uncorporate rules. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, have you written a book? No. Do you want to write one? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, you heard it here. On Girl Boss. Yeah. People keep asking us to write the book. And the truth is, it's not about me. It really is about, you know, and we'll talk about the Girls Lounge, but we have over 17,000 women in our community that are all badass girl bosses in Fortune 500 companies that are now working together, collaborating, sharing, supporting, amplifying. Um, And, you know, the book would have to involve everyone because Mm -hmm. everyone in my world, has a very important role that Mm -hmm. they've played and continue to play in my life and in my journey. Yeah. And it's also just, you know, my book was largely, first book was largely based on my experience. And it's just, it's the reason I started this podcast is like, okay, wow, okay, people think that what I did is interesting, but it's like, why shouldn't I use that platform to talk to other women about what they've done and their paths? And there's something to learn from everybody's path. And you scoop tuna, I scoop tuna. Someone else might have worked in a parking lot or, and all those things give, I think, context and hope to someone who wouldn't normally look at someone like Shelly Zalas and think, oh, her first job was scooping tuna, you mm. know, which is not no knock on on scooping tuna. But everybody has a beginning. And um, and it's not always it's it's not always shared when we just see someone speaking at maybe the fortune's most powerful women conference. I actually think that the best lessons for me and why I am a girl boss in business came from the places you would not expect. I, be, working in a cafe, I met the most interesting people. And 
you know, every day was a new adventure. And I had to learn how to, you know, manage the front, you know, office, basically. Or even when I I had my own company, I would pick up the garbage. I think I was a great CEO because I did it every aspect. I didn't just point fingers at people to say, you need to do it this way. I actually did it. Mm-hmm. I coded. I tabbed. I wrote analysis. Yeah. I built, you know, businesses. And it, it really helped shape who I am today as a leader. You know, I'm not a leader that motivates others and pushes things down. I'm happy to get my hands dirty, too. Yeah. um, And work together. Yeah, that's one thing I, you learn, like, leading by example is incredibly important. And it's easy to get away from that. I got away from it at a certain point. In the early days of Nasty Gal, that was very much the case. And then later on, you know, I maybe wasn't in the office as many days as I could have been or showing people by example, like how I would have liked them to work. You know, there's a point as an entrepreneur where you can feel like, especially if you're like young and kind of naive, that you're an exception to the rule, but that's not going to set the stage for the people around you because, you know, they're they're looking to you for that kind of guidance. Listen, I think you are an incredible role model, especially because you share your failures and your successes, and I think that's called real. And I, I, I really believe that you can't tell someone how to be just like you. First of all, if they're going to be just like you, then they're not necessary. We don't need the same. You can inspire someone. You can have them shadow you. But as Oscar Wilde says, you need to be yourself because everyone else is taken. And giving people that power to create their unique footprints, you know, on a designated journey, Mm -hmm. um, but to also zig when others might zag, that to me is innovation. Mm -hmm. That to me is evolution. That to me is how change happens. And that most importantly is how growth happens. Mm -hmm. If everyone on your team, which is growing so, so, you know, so big right now, if everyone did the same thing, they wouldn't be necessary. We have so much more to get into with Shelly coming up. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about Skillshare. Skillshare, we love. We love learning here Mm -hmm. at Girlboss. And I know if you're listening to Girlboss Radio, you like learning too because that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like it's fun. It's not dorky. It's like actually benefits you. It's totally narcissistic if you want to take it there (laughs) and it'll make your life better. And Skillshare is here to help you. Do that. Learn. Uh, Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, technology, design, and more. You can take a class in social media marketing, data science, web development, all the things that we need to know when we start a business or maybe when we're going to apply for a job and don't have that experience, but can educate ourselves. There's so, so many ways to educate yourself online and Skillshare is really at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. And Maggie, you've used Skillshare. I have many, many a times. I love the classes because they're really low touch. It's you don't have, you know, like. A hundred thousand pages to read every week, but yeah. but you're learning something that's actually really going to be useful. Mm-hmm. I just learned how to um, use HTML coding, which is actually very interesting, because a lot of sites such as WordPress, Squarespace are are functionally based off of HTML, so you can get a little bit done. You can take your website sometimes to a slightly next level mm-hmm. based off of just using HTML. Yeah, it's maybe just really... knowing how to like customize your Squarespace. Right? Yeah, and now once I, now that I know it, it feels very easy, which is funny. I feel like a lot of skills once you build them, you're like, 
oh, okay, I got this now. And that felt really rewarding just by this class. Oh, and they have a watercolor class that I'm going to take. <gasps> oh my God, you were just watercoloring. I've been watercoloring mm-hmm. in my backyard on weekends, <laughs> which is just so funny. and sounds so much cooler than I actually am, but I mean, maybe it doesn't sound it's cool. It's very relaxing. It sounds like a toddler. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare has offered access to over 20,000 classes for just, yep, 99 cents. To sign up, go to S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com. That's Skillshare dot com slash girlboss. Again, go to Skillshare dot com slash girlboss to start your two months now. That's Skillshare dot com slash girlboss. We're going to continue with Shelly in just a minute, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about ZipRecruiter. All we do here is talk about getting jobs Mm -hmm. and keeping jobs and quitting jobs and asking for raises and starting companies and starting side hustles and growing side hustles and making your side hustle into your front hustle and having relationships and trying to make all of that work and sometimes having poodles. But ZipRecruiter is here to help. You know, hiring can be hard. You know, as an entrepreneur, finding the right people can be really challenging. There's a lot of different places with a lot of different kinds of talent. And you can end up with a lot of the wrong people on your doorstep, which happens to almost everybody. But not if you're working with ZipRecruiter. So ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they have this really powerful matching technology and scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invite them to apply for your job. We use ZipRecruiter here at Girlboss. We absolutely love it. We've hired a fair amount of really amazing people. And with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, Girlboss Radio listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive URL, ziprecruiter.com slash girlboss. That's ziprecruiter.com slash G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S, ziprecruiter.com slash girlboss. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get back to our interview with the lovely Shelly Zalas. When did you know it was time to sell your company? It was 10 years later. 10 years after you found Nine. Nine. Yeah. Online, when I, you know, I pioneered online research, it was, um, no one was doing it. I mean, God, my stories are so crazy. And it became then the new norm, you know, so now everyone started doing it. But when I started, I remember thinking to myself, how am I ever going to bring online research into the advertising industry, you know, because most brands, you know, have their traditional research companies, nothing changes. And I thought, well, what if I go to the entertainment industry? And I knew nothing about the movie business. Nothing. I was a package good expert. I knew nothing about the movie business. And I thought the movie business is such a perfect business for online because it's the hardest industry to satisfy where they give you 20 spots on Friday night. You have to digitize, encrypt, have results by Monday morning, sample size of 300 per spot. Impossible. It was impossible. So you were testing on broadcast networks? No, I took movie trailers and TV ads, and I built a whole online website to test on the Internet. Okay. Using online sample. But there was no online sample, so I had to build 
There online no sample. YouTube. There was no YouTube. <laughs> there was nothing at the time. And the movie business, when they give you trailers, it's for a movie that hasn't been opened yet. So if people, when you do research, you need a closed little environment for testing because if it doesn't do well, you could close a movie before it opens. And the internet was not secure at the time. So I had to build digital rights management systems to encrypt and I had to build an online ecosystem, you know, for testing. I mean, it was a lot of work. And I remember going to Warner Brothers and I met with the research director and there was one company that had a monopoly in movie research. It was called NRG, a guy named Joe Farrell, who was the godfather to every studio chief's children, like impossible to break through. And everyone said, don't bother. No one has succeeded in building an alternative to NRG. I'm like, but that's ridiculous. So I went to the head of research for Warner Brothers, and I said the following. I said, are you completely satisfied with how you do research today? And he said, of course I'm not completely satisfied. Who's ever completely satisfied? I said, great. I said, let's experiment together. I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, we probably will make some mistakes along the way, but all I want from you is every spot you test with NRG, I will test it in parallel, and then we will calibrate and see what happens. And till this day, that researcher will tell me, I said two things that matter to him. One was, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to do this together. And the second was that little word called completely left a hole. Mm-hmm. And then once I started testing, all the studios were like, well, we can't work with you because we have exclusive clauses with NRG. And I said, let me see the contracts. And when I looked at the contracts, the exclusivity, there were exclusives. You can't work with anybody else. But it was exclusive for mall intercept, for offline research, because there oh was no God. online. Oh, my God. That little nuance where it was the difference between offline and online was how I built a tremendously successful business. How did you know it was time to sell? Um, my business was getting, I started competing with the big giants. You know, there's a few really big global research companies. And I was global because the internet is a global, you know, concept. So I was testing globally, but I didn't have resources to have offices in all these local markets. And it was just another heartbeat moment that I realized that I was too big to be small and too small to be big. Mm-hmm. And that when you have a child, you know what's the right thing for your child. The right thing for my child was to let it fly and to bring it to a company with global scale. So I guess I want to talk about relationships because that's just already come up naturally a few times in our conversation and if there's one thing that you understand, it's relationships. You know, what you do in the girls' lounges and just what you've done with your entire career is so rooted in relationships. And people find success in different ways. People build businesses in different ways. They're not really sustainable without relationships. Um, how do you navigate, you know, this world of you meet people? Is it a friendship? Is it a business friend? Is it weird if I don't consider them a real friend? How do I, you know, if there are things to be done together, how can you focus that conversation without people feeling like you're there because you want something from them? That's something that, like, I'm very new at, like, 
asking for things because I bootstrapped the last business. Then investors were like, please let us in. And that's it. And now I'm like pitching investors and like pitching brands and doing more of that than I have in the past. And asking for things is a very, very important part of being a girl boss. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? What would your advice be? Well, first of all, companies are institutions. People make up companies. And people also work with people they like and they trust. You don't work with a company. You work with a person. And that's the most important thing to understand is that human interaction. And for me, you know, I say you have one life. There's no work-life balance. I don't turn on my brand at work and turn on a different brand at home. I am one person. Mm -hmm. And I have five Every person has five dimensions in their life, their career, their work, their family, their community, their friends. And the fifth one that we always forget about is ourselves, ourselves. You got those five dimensions. At different stages of your life, you can pick and choose which dimensions you have time for and how much time you have for each of those things. You know, when I was, uh, you know, rising the ranks and traveling a lot and with children, I would have to combine my girlfriends with my workouts. So we used to, I combined two things and we didn't really do much for our thighs, but we, we, we spent so much time chit chat. It was such a great hour. You know, yeah. we probably were eating bagels and working out at the same time. I mean, it was, it was pretty funny. And I, I feel that way about work as well. My girlfriends at work are, are my best friends today. You know, I'm there through thick and through thin. And if they lose their job, I don't stop being their friend I'm always there Mm -hmm. and they're always there for me and you know I really believe in girlfriends Mm -hmm. and there is no better power in life than having girlfriends girlfriends at work girlfriends in your personal life Um, but my personal life because I'm 24 7 it's pretty interchangeable yeah yeah and so when you I mean you've been asking for things for a long time because you've been pitching clients right I don't know if I've ever pitched. Okay. I, I, I always think that the best relationships is a value exchange. Yeah. You know? What do you mean by value exchange? Is it good for you? I don't want you to do it if it's not good for you. Yeah, totally. Um, obviously, it's good for me because partnerships matter a lot. It's not asking for something. It's saying, I have something to offer. Yeah, it's like I'm working on this. And obviously, my whole life has been an iterative journey um, because I build things that don't exist. Mm -hmm. So there is no textbook for anything I've ever done. And sometimes you might go the wrong direction, but then just redirect. And I always ask for advice and share all aspects. Nothing is ever complete. Mm -hmm. We complete each other. If for someone who's trying to, you know, get something done, has a great business relationship, doesn't know what to do with it, how would you start that conversation of like, hey, I'd like to do something together? What do you think about, you know, it's like it can be very awkward to take things from like a friendly, I mean, they're interchangeable in some ways, but like an introduction to, hey, I want to talk about something that we could possibly do together. I I think first of all, knowing a direction you want to go. Because if you're trying to get a meeting with someone that's pretty busy, you're not going to get a meeting with, hey, I just want to know you. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with mentorship. I mean, how many times you, you have, you know, girls that want you to mentor them? You can't say yes 
to all of them,、mm-hmm. but the ones that rise to the top are the ones that will say, "I so admire what you've done with your failures and turned them into success, or how you've asked for an investment structure and got no's and then turned it into a yes." Someone that knows what they want from you.、Mm-hmm. Is a lot easier to say yes because you feel that you are going to groom someone that's going to、um, th- that's going to be a sponge and then twist it up and bring their own unique personality to the table.、Mm-hmm. I love that.、Mm-hmm. And so if I just get a call or random, you know, I, I mean, I try to say yes to as many you know girls as I possibly can, but it's hard.、Mm-hmm. And I also want to know that I'm going to get something back from them. And it, it's not、uh, a give or take. But I don't want to give to someone that is just not really in it for the right reasons.、Mm-hmm. Someone that wants to get to know me and have me mentor them, but is going to go off into, you know, a place that has nothing to do with why、mm-hmm. they wanted my time. I、yeah. want to invest in girls that you know have a future and believe in themselves. And know that they reached out to me specifically for a reason. Versus, oh, they saw me at a conference, and it'd be cool to、yeah. have lunch. Yeah, totally. Right. Tell me about the female quotient and the girls' lounge. I just spoke at the girls' lounge. We love when、Cannes、you come.、Lions. You have a huge following. Everyone is like so excited、oh, when you、so、come. That's so cool. <laughs> well, I mean, you you really are girl boss, and I think you coined a phrase that is so important because all. Women in general, we have that voice in our head that tells us we aren't good enough. We can't do this. We can't do that. If you know, if we if we can't do ten out of ten things, we're not qualified. And my girlfriend Wendy Clark says, "You just got to shut that bitch up in your head.、Uh-huh. You shut that bitch up in your head and own it. You know, own your voice, own your strength, and be a girl boss." And I just think that that phrase is so amazing. And thanks. I do. I, I we love like it, it here. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. You know, thanks. And I love the word "girl." You know, when I, I do too. Yeah, girls' lounge, and it's such a. You know, we've had people tweet at us and be like, "Why isn't it called woman boss or lady boss?" And it's like, girls, cool. Like girls are still growing. Girls are still learning. Like, why can't I be? In a state of like wonder, it doesn't mean I'm like infantilizing like women in the workplace by calling them girls. It's just like it's not that, it's not that political. Like I think girls are mindset, and you got to embrace it. And I always say that first of all, there's a boys' club.、Mm-hmm. So I just took the opposite word. The opposite of boy is girl, and the opposite of a club is a lounge. It's called the girls' lounge. And by the way, not a single man has ever objected to it being called a boys' club.、Mm-hmm. So why are women? Objecting to the word "girl," right? It's a double standard that we are imposing on ourselves. It's just this whole ranking of like feminism, of like you're a better feminist, you're not as good of a feminist as this one, and a lot of people just kind of, especially online, just and we don't get a lot of hate. Like I've just there's been like a couple、I、little things. So much love. You're、years. always gonna haters are gonna hate, but there's people who will you know rank. Oh, Beyonce wore something sexy. Does that make her less? Of, and it's like, oh my god. That's, yeah, that's not going to help.、Anybody. Haters will hate, and you know we are. You know we have a lot of love,、um, as do you. You will have a couple of haters, and you know I always say that the difference between girls and women in the social world is age or life stage. When you get your period, you go from a girl to a woman, or when you have sex for the first time, you go from a girl to a woman, or when you have a bat mitzvah, you go from a girl to a woman. 
But in the corporate world, women at the top have historically been competitive with one another because there's such a scarcity of jobs. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go back to the word girl of being girlfriends and supporting one another and being a little bold and brave and fearless and creating a little trouble and shaking it up a little bit. And I think when you talk about a ladies' lounge, first of all, that sounds like a bathroom. And a women's mm-hmm. lounge sounds really boring. Women's like, lounge. who wants to go to a women's Come lounge? The women's Blah. Yeah, yeah, something about those words. Just, I mean, men's is kind of lame too. Like, yeah. boys sounds. It's like fun. fun. It's like, um, little make a little trouble. Yeah. It's like, but we do it together and and have a little fun. After leaving Ipsos OTX, Shelley reinvented herself again by forming the Female Quotient, also known as TFQ. TFQ is a company committed to advancing diversity in the workplace through collaboration, activating solutions for change, and creating measurements of accountability. She shared why she made this shift and some of the cool things they're doing at TFQ right now. So I had this crazy idea three years ago. Um, so I was I sold my company to Ipsos. I stayed five years running global innovation in 83 countries. Um, so I became you know, quite the globetrotter. Um, and listen, no complaints. They they were based in Paris. So I think I was in Paris 60 times in the last five years because every board meeting was in Paris every month. So if you need any tips on where to go and what to do and then like the the cool things you don't really hear about, I, I got you. Okay, I'll, call, I'll be calling you. Yeah, call me for that. Or go. we'll go together for that. It'll yeah. be quite fun. I always heard about the intelligence quotient IQ. Everyone talks about IQ. That seems very, you know, brain brainy and then you heard about the emotional quotient eq everyone started talking about eq and then i thought what about fq the female quotient what about when you put women in any equation the equation gets better i got sick of hearing that diversity is good for business and yet we're all going backwards Mm -hmm. so the female quotient is in the business of equality and today we have three core pillars one is the Girls' Lounge, which is a space to connect and collaborate at big industry conferences. We call it the home of equality. Um, men are welcome, but they are the minority. So the Girls' Lounge is a place where the minority acts and feels like the majority. And the minority, when, when men come into the space, they're coming into a feminine mm-hmm. space. Um, so we do Girls' Lounge at conference, Girls' Lounge at campus. We are about to roll out permanent Girls' Lounges in university campuses in over 122 countries. Um, thank you to SAP. 122 countries? Mm. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's good. Um, and then the third piece will be um, the FQ Talent, where we'll be building a, a whole portfolio of um, – women bringing visibility and value, you know, of what they bring to companies from entry level through board level. So recruiting, coaching, is there like a suite of services? It has a whole suite of services that we'll talk about. It's pretty amazing. And the feeder is the Girls' Lounge at Conference is mid-level to senior level, and Girls' Lounge at Campus will be entry level, filling the pipeline. Mm -hmm. But really giving companies access to this amazing talent pool that, you know... I, I really can't stand hearing that there's no women for keynote speeches. Where are all the women? I got them all. What? They're I know. all here. I know. There are plenty of amazing people. Stop looking for CEO. Yeah. Because we just defined that you're looking for a needle in a haystack. 
I heard the term "manal" for like panel with men on it. Jessica Bennett, oh, the gender reporter of the New York Times, she was like, oh, she was just in our last. She's amazing. Panels. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you know, we can empower women all we want, though, if we don't fix the rules. So pillar two is culture in the workplace. Rewriting the rules. We started something called the Modern Guide to Equality. We're rewriting the rules for the modern workplace through equality boot camps and, you know, all kinds of things. And then our third pillar is giving back with generosity. It's our impact group. We created a confidence collection, which is talking T-shirts and talking tools, necklaces, that when you click on them, they unlock advice in the workplace from all of our women in the Girls' Lounge. They're pretty amazing. Yeah. And then the money we make, we give back to not-for-profits that help women around the world. Shelley is the co-founder of Hashtag See Her, a movement led by the Association of National Advertisers to increase the percentage of accurate portrayals of women and girls in advertising and media. Shelley revealed how advertising and the way women are represented in advertising changes the way we see and treat women and how she's working to increase accurate portrayals of women. Hashtag See Her, I co-founded with a woman named Gail Tifford, who um, was head of um, media at Unilever. Now she's at Weight Watchers. She's chief brand officer of Weight Watchers. And she's a sister by choice. You know, just like we talk about, you can have best friends in business. Um, And I have many amazing girlfriends in business. Um, We co-founded this movement. Um, I spent a lot of time in the White House with the Girls' Lounge in the last administration, getting Harriet Tubman on the front of the 20 and working with Michelle Obama for Let Girls Learn. And one of the big initiatives for the White House was Girls in STEM. Girls in Science, Technology, Engineering, Math. And we thought, and that's when Hidden Figures was created, to bring more visibility to women that have been making a difference. So we thought, what if we could bring this whole movement of portraying girls and women in media and entertainment to the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers, which has the largest advertisers, men and women, CMOs. So it's not just women bringing this. This is about Mm -hmm. the accurate portrayal. And we created something called the GEM score, the gender equality measure, so that advertising could be held accountable. And money talks. If the largest advertisers in the world go to networks and say, we want to put our advertising in programming that also reflect girls and women in accurate and realistic ways, what happens? Mm -hmm. Programming evolves as well. So the movement is less than um, three years old. We have over, I think, 70 of the largest global advertisers participating. Um, We give awards, hashtag see her awards at Critics' Choice, Teens' Choice, you know, awards. And we now have launched another initiative with the UN, with UN Women, um, called Unstereotype Alliance, which is around unstereotype, unstereotyping advertising on a global basis. So ANA is US, and the UN Women helps us roll out globally. So mm-hmm. a lot of work is being done right now. Wow. And so let's see, I mean, have you had a mentor? I have so many mentors. I, you know, I really believe in um, nuggets of advice, and I don't think that mentorship is just wisdom pushed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that it's wisdom pushed down and wisdom pushed up, and sharing um, knowledge all around. So I have so many mentors. Um, in every day, I learn something new. And I think the best thing that I learn is that we're better together. And that is something that we really believe in at the FEMA quotient. We're powered by collaboration. And, you know, we bring empathy, emotion, visualization, love. We're not afraid of any of those words. Um, You know, soft power to leadership. 
and you know, men and women. You soft know. power. Soft power. Shelley is very into the idea of femmenness and the word men being bolded here. In other words, she believes that we need our male allies just as much as our female allies because we can't fully gain equality without them and their support. And it's true. She revealed how we can encourage men to join us in our fight for equality and why it is so important. We respelled feminism to put the word men in feminism. Modern feminism must include men. Um, transformation will only happen if we're in this together. And that's what we're working on right now is how do we identify some of our challenges for women as well as for men and you know bring us all together because we truly are better together and rewrite the new rules so that we're not just you know looking back at what's wrong but that we create the new rules our legacy for today proactively with positivity moving forward yeah mentorship is is community community is mentorship it's not you don't have to pluck somebody out of the stars to to find mentorship so there's a couple questions i ask everybody who comes on girl boss radio one of them is about success, and I mean, I don't think I really need to explain this to you, but what does success mean to you? I think success for me, um, there's a Hebrew expression, he who ha'ashir ha'sameach b'chelko, who is a wealthy person, one who's happy with what she has. And I am so, so blessed. Um, so to me, success is um, happiness and waking up every day with purpose and passion in my in my heart having a a family that surrounds me that supports me in every way having girlfriends that are you know my best cheerleaders and you know back at you and also leaving a legacy for change I'm not someone that likes to talk about what I want to do I need to activate solutions for change and so it's leaving a legacy of change before she left, I asked Shelley, what is your most recent girl boss moment? Oh, I did have a really good one. So I um, went to the World Economic Forum, you know, in Davos, Switzerland. They invited us to go to the World Economic Forum in Africa, which was in Rwanda. And while I was in Rwanda, I was exposed in a girls' lunch to an organization that helps girls in schools in Rwanda. So I went to visit the schools. I mentored 500 girls in one day changed my life forever and I changed theirs forever and so recently I received the Matrix Award which is a a pretty important communication award and they asked me what celebrity I wanted to give me the award and I said I want my 17 year old girl from Rwanda Amen to come and so I flew her out and she's never been on an airplane no one in no generation in her entire family has ever been on an airplane and she came and gave me the award. And it was so meaningful for me and made me realize that each and every one of us can impact change and make a difference, whether it's something small or something big. It doesn't matter. It all is important. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a moment that she will never forget, nor will I. And I'm now on my way to Kenya to help build a school in Kenya, in the Masimara. And of course, if I'm in Kenya, I give a mouse a cookie. I got to go to Rwanda, mm-hmm. right, and see the girls. They sleep in our girls' lunch t-shirts. It says confidence is beautiful, and wow. they walk and send us, you know, internet messages all the time. So I'm I'm very proud of that moment, and it may it makes me a better person.
Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Girl Boss Radio today. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Be sure to check out our newest podcast, Jen Gotcha's OK Sometimes, as well as our amazing podcast with Sephora Collection that features Jen Rubio from Away, Sarah Robbo Hagen from Flywheel Sports, and a host of other really interesting women. It's called Hashtag Lip Stories, and you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Talk to you guys soon.